Welcome back to the program. Earlier this month, most of you completed your taxes. Probably either you had someone else do it or you spent hours navigating the complexity of the federal tax code. Perhaps that tax code is the apotheosis of complexity, with the possible exception of booking air travel. On the other hand, if we look at Silicon Valley, it's filled with examples of companies that have figured out how to do a limited number of things and do them well and create minimum rules around them. In between is the vast landscape of culture and business, which is continuously tilting from one side to the other, trying to find a footing that in a more complex world makes their product or service or idea relatively simple. We're going to talk about this idea today with my guest, Kathleen Eisenhart. She's the S.W. Asherman Professor of Strategy at Stanford School of Engineering and co-director of the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. She's widely known for her work on strategic decision-making and innovation in a rapidly changing and highly competitive marketplace. And she's the co-author of a new book entitled Simple Rules, How to Thrive in a Complex World. Kathleen Eisenhart, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. There is this interesting contradiction going on out there that on the one hand, everyone is striving, or at least a lot of companies are striving for simplicity in terms of the way they do business or their products, and yet the world itself is becoming increasingly more complex, and navigating this dissonance seems to be uh, really the key job of business today. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point, Jeff. Uh, the world is getting more complex. Yeah, I think there are the companies that, that find a way to make it simple. I think a great example is Dropbox. Uh, Dropbox guys saw a problem of how do we interconnect all our devices and came up with a solution that's really very slick, very, very, very cool uh, for the user. Um, admittedly, a bit complicated on the back end, but for the user, a really simple, uh, simple um, solution. And so I think that's where a bunch of the businesses that I work with are going these days is trying to, what can we do for the user to make it a simpler life? Talk a little bit about simplicity from top to bottom, that, that a lot of companies, even that create simple products, are complex in their strategy, complex in their structure, and that it seems that simplicity to really be authentic and effective needs to really be part of the process from top down. Right, I think that's I think that's true, Jeff. Um, that the getting simplicity in, in when you have many people in the organization is rough. Uh, one company that I think is doing some interesting things along those lines is actually Twitter. Uh, Dick Costello of Twitter has uh, has some very very elegant simple rules about meetings. I mean, we all spend a ton of time in meetings, and he has some rules around no PowerPoint and uh, don't cancel the meeting. And those two rules really get people on time at their meeting and knowing in their own minds what they want to say as opposed to having spent a ton of time prepping some sort of a, a, a complex deck. Of course, the other side of that is Jeff Bezos at Amazon, who requires that if you're going to bring up a subject in the meeting, you need to have written a six-page, single-spaced <laughs> memo about it. <laughs> well, that's true. Jeff Jeff does uh, Jeff does have some complex rules along along those lines, and that's I think I think that reflects the fact that he's a person who really ref really enjoys reflecting on those complex pieces of information. At the same time, I think in his own company, he actually had particularly starting out to pretty simple rules about uh, product lines. For example, when you're going to when he was beginning and and he started with books, well. What's the next product? It's music, then it's video. He, has, he then had a disaster with toys and then proceeded to back up and actually develop some rules about that were really fairly simple about which product lines to, 
to uh, to introduce. So the point is that sometimes uh, sometimes a particular practice may reflect an executive's predilection, like Jeff enjoying a, to read something complicated, but then other aspects of what they're doing in their business are actually quite simple. As we look around both at the business landscape and the personal landscape, are we moving to a period where people are actively working towards achieving this kind of simplicity. It's interesting that if you look at the earlier days of technology, there was almost a kind of a value in complexity. People thought that the product was somehow better if it was more complex. I think people are looking, uh, you're right, I think people are looking for complexity. I, you know, Living in the Bay Area, um, the recent tech boom has been great for business and great for wallets, but it is been a disaster from a commuting standpoint. People are just spending too much time in their cars and, and, and sort of leading a frantic life. And I can't tell you the number of people I'm talking to are saying they would love to get out of the Bay Area, but this is where the jobs are. So I think it is it is a problem. Uh, and I think many people are struggling with being more simple, which is why, which is a big reason why we wrote the book. Because what we're trying to say in the book is that um, that you can you can make your life more simple. It does require some thinking, but but you can do it. Talk a little bit about that and whether people really want this simplicity. They say they do, but the reality sometimes seems different. Okay, yeah, I think I think that creating simplicity requires wanting to do it, as any sort of habit change does. Um, what we've found is that, that for people to really change what they're doing, they have to spend a bit of time thinking about what is it that I really either want to be doing more of or less of? Do I want to be in better shape? Do I want to have a better social life? Do I want to get ahead of my job? And try and understand what it is that you want. And then go from there of what, think deeply about why I can't do it. What's the bottleneck? It's because I'm eating the wrong things. I never exercise, whatever it is. Um, I have too many devices, um, and and I have no time because I'm constantly doing emails. So I think it's a matter of what we found anyway in working with people and with organizations is thinking about what is it that you really want, and then what's keeping you from that, and then trying to craft rules around that. One of the things you talk about in the book is that even the best strategy in the world, well thought out, well planned, well articulated, doesn't work if it's too complicated, if the execution requires too much complication. That's right, because what happens when you have a, a, a very complicated strategy is that you can't communicate it to the people who work with you. Uh, in fact, one of the, I think, the key advantages of, of simple rules is they're easy to remember and they're easy to communicate. great example, actually, is, is Wikipedia. Wikipedia, early on, had very simple rules. They were, you always have to Always have to have a source, number one. And number two, uh, it's facts, not opinion. And number three, don't follow any more rules. That worked really well for Wikipedia and now for what, five, six, seven years. And now they've gotten to have too many rules and the, and the company's bogged down. So the point is that when the rules were simple, they were able to really gather a mass of people to create, I think, an amazing thing in, in Wikipedia. Now that the rules are complicated, the growth and the excitement is slowed down. Is this something that 
is inevitable as a battle, at least, in both personal situations and business situations, that success breeds complexity, that if you have success by laying out simple principles, simple rules, simple execution of strategy, that eventually success and growth will lead inherently to more complexity and that that's an ongoing battle we all fight. I, I think that's right. I think complexity is, is it's kind of a, I want to say it's a law of nature, but certainly it seems like when we grow, when we're successful, we add more and more, whether it's stuff in our life, like extra cars, a boat, a second house, whatever, if we're lucky enough to be wealthy, that we add, we add stuff. Um, and we do it at business too. I think that, so I think that, that battling of, of cleaning out our closets and cleaning up our stuff is, is an ongoing one, whether it's a business or whether it's at home. How does this lay out against the broader context, the broader world that we all live in today that is constantly changing all the time? Because the landscape for, for trying to achieve this simplicity, the underpinnings seem to be always changing. That, that sort of is the corollary to all of this. Yeah, that's that's right. And actually, if, uh, kind of a funny example from from around here is is the Oakland A's. Probably everybody is familiar with with Moneyball, um, and Moneyball was very successful for about three years before everybody else right. imitated Billy Bean. And what you see Billy Bean now doing is every every season he's changing he's changing up the rules, uh, and that's part of his deal. So, for example, he's gotten very big into platooning lately. On the personal side, you're right. Uh, you know, our, our kids grow up. We add devices. The rules change. Um, so yeah, you do have to. You know, what was working last year is not necessarily working this year. That is part of the problem that you want to be simple, but you also have to keep up. Right, and so so when we all added, um, you know, Fitbits, for example, to our <laughs> regimen, well, that changes what we're doing. So yes, we do have to. I think keep keep in mind what is it we're really what what's really mattering to us. And then, and then simplifying against that. So if, I think Fitbit's a great example where many people got Fitbit, but then that's one more device to keep track of. And what, what, what I think some of the smart people that I know did anyway was, was started cutting back on other sorts of exercise things they were doing and just focusing on, okay, how do I use the Fitbit? Because that turns out to be a really simple device to, um, to track what I'm doing every day. Are there simple processes to achieve simplicity? I mean, is is there a formula by which one can make both a business situation and a, a personal situation more simple? Yeah, I think, uh, let, me, let me give you a good example of doing that. Uh, I had a friend who, who wanted to get in better shape in a general sense. And what she did was, was think about, okay, what does that really mean? And it really mean what she wanted was, was better health. And, and so, it was, so then she said, well, this is really, this is really a health goal. So she really thought about what it was she wanted to accomplish, which turned out to be health. She then thought about, well, okay, how am I going to get there? Am I going to exercise more or am I going to eat better or what am I going to do? And it turned out you know, there was sort of a limit to how much she could exercise. She was you know, busy at work, had some kids. So it really focuses and said, you know, it's not really exercise. I'm doing about what I can. It's going to be food. So then she started focusing on her diet. Then what she did, so she's got an objective, she's got a bottleneck, which is, which is her diet, and then she started thinking about, okay, what are, what are the rules for me? And she talked with some friends about what they were doing. She read a couple of dieting books. She also, I think importantly, tracked her own behavior for a few days to see what she was doing. And what she realized in sort of 
triangulating friends' advice experts in her own behavior is that is that after dinner was her was her weak was her weakness, and so she so she started focusing in on what she was doing after after dinner, and then realized you know it's really it's it's sweets after dinner, and so she decided during the week I'm going to cut those out and fill the time with doing some things with her kids. So it was essentially a matter of a, a rule that became our midweek rule, which was no desserts, no desserts midweek, um, and it's a couple of other rules about portion size and plate size that helped her out. So that long story is really about picking an objective, better health, finding a bottleneck, it's, it's diet, not exercise, and then finding some rules around her particular weakness, which was after dinner, particularly sweets after dinner. And the larger framework of that is something you also talk about in the book, this idea of defining what it is that you're trying to accomplish without being overly prescriptive about it. Right, right, that's right. So, for example, um, if, it's, if it's exercise that you want to get more of, oh, I, I, another example is our gardening. Let's say you want, many of us in California are switching over to um, draw tolerant landscaping. And so it's really a matter of, of focusing in on what kind of plants really work for me? Do I want succulents, grasses, or so forth? It's really that kind of an idea, focusing in on. And it, we're not specifying it's got to be one thing. Rather, we're saying it's, it's a mix of, of alternatives within a, within a broad class. Are there different set of rules, different ways to achieve simplicity for, for different types of companies or different types of individuals? Is, is it a one-size-fits-all world? Yeah, you know, we think it, we think it's really not a one size fits all world. I think that's one of the key points in the book is it's not one size fits all. So again, to go go back to just a, a food example, uh, we describe how Michael Pollan, the author from Berkeley, uh, has three rules for eating: um, eat eat real food, eat small portions, eat um, eat mostly plants, and then contrast that with with Stanford's football team which has completely different rules. First of all, there's no portion size, as you might imagine, for a football team. You can eat however much you want. But because they're college guys, they tend to skip breakfast. So one of their rules is always always eat breakfast, stay hydrated because they exercise a lot, and then eat anything you can pick, pluck, or kill. So again, real foods, if you will. So the point is, what works for Stanford football players is not working for middle-aged men like Michael Pollan. So one size fits all is definitely not where we're going. What are you seeing in the business world outside of Silicon Valley, outside of the world of technology? Is this something that is a problem in in the larger business framework? And are companies beginning to deal with it? Yeah, I think outside Silicon Valley, um, the issue of too much complication is actually probably the big one. In contrast, for many startups in Silicon Valley, the problem is, there aren't enough rules. It's too crazy. But outside Silicon Valley, it does tend to be too many rules. And so in working with some of those companies, particularly we've worked a lot with mid-sized companies, it's focusing in on, again, that objectives and and bottleneck and key rules. So, for example, we worked with a a restaurant uh, uh, over on the East Coast, and they were trying to cater more towards the corporate market and what what they're going to do. And they started realizing that their processes were too complicated in some places, not enough processes in other places. And moreover, they just weren't focused. So what they ended up doing was focusing in on what are we going to do with our menus. 
and really focusing on menus, and then had a set of rules around menus that were around local ingredients, uh, repeat uh, popular dishes three out of five uh, times a week, and so forth. Uh, so the point was they really, this was a, a company that had on the one hand too much complexity some places, not enough complexity other places, and really focused in on some rules around it. For them, it was, it was menu planning. Is this an area that media and communication companies are looking at as well? in terms of, of how they do their job? That's, a, that's an interesting question. I haven't worked a lot with media companies. Um, I think, although I think a good example is perhaps Netflix and what Netflix has brought to, I'm not even sure you can call it television anymore, mm-hmm, but, right. uh, but streaming services. Netflix really brought in a number of practices that are, are actually quite simple that I think have been surprising to media uh, for example, House of Cards, um, a, key, a key rule in, in making House of Cards was hiring absolutely A-level talent like director David Fincher, actors like Kevin Spacey. Uh, and that really changed the rules up in media. Uh, media, and so the point here is that media has, has had sort of the same rules for a long time and what newcomers, let's say like Netflix, have done is really switched up the rules, whether it's on hiring actors. They switched up the rules on programming too with, with binge watching. So I think what's happening in media is newer faces are coming in with new rules that are changing the industry. It's interesting you talk about Netflix and binge watching and on demand. As people have more and more choices about how, what, when, in terms of what they do, in terms of entertainment, in terms of a whole bunch of things, in many ways the choices create its own level of complexity. Yes, I know. That, I think we all face that. Um, and I think what the research says is actually when we have, we have a lot of choices, we actually narrow our choices more, and we start to, in fact, develop our own simple rules. Uh, for example, I have one friend who pretty much ignores most of television or streaming or whatever comes over the t- on the TV and focuses on PBS. Uh, he likes PBS. He likes the quality of PBS. And so he just says, you know, I just play, I just watch PBS and I watch the Giants. And that's what I do. That's an interesting phenomenon that the proliferation of choices results in, in people oversimplifying, arguably, and really limit, having to limit their own choices. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon of how our how our brains work. But um, there's actually there's a great there's a great psychology experiment where people are shown five jars of different kinds of jam, and and they and then people watch how much what percentage of them they buy of people buy, and then show people twenty kinds of jam. Well, pe- when people see twenty kinds of jam, they just don't buy. People see three, four, five kinds of jam, and they do buy. So yes, people, I think intuitively when it gets overwhelming, whether it's television channels or it's jars of jam, people people actually narrow in. It's also about, particularly on the business side, it's also about focus. And, and that's, again, one of the tougher things for people to do, to stay focused on, on one thing or one small set of things, because the instinct is to always want to expand, want to do more, to come up with new ideas. Yeah, and, and I think once, I think, the key to simplification is is focusing. Um, I think, uh, for example, a nice example is, is 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 Pixar. Pixar is very focused on a particular kind of movie. It's it's children's movie where the story is more important than the computer graphics, 
And that, that relentless focus has really, I think, brought them a lot of success. They focus on story before graphics, and they focus on one movie a year. And that ability to focus on one movie a year, story before graphics, has, I think, been a, a huge part of what makes that company successful. It's interesting how the when I started talking off talking about taxes, how the government seems unable to to really get their head around any of these issues we've been talking about. Yeah, I think what happens with the government is is to use a um, perhaps cliched expression, but it's, it's special interests. Uh, whether it, take the tax code, there's special interests are lobbying for special oil deals, special work work permit deals, special fuel deals, special farm deals. And so I think what happens with the government, regrettably, is that the tax code, the the Obamacare bill, becomes so laden with special interests, um, which I think is, is a bipartisan issue, not a one party or another issue, uh, get laden with special interests. And so you end up with, with complicated laws that no one understands and probably are not even following. There's also a culture of complexity that has grown up, and, and that, that's very hard to change in, some, in companies or government. Yeah, because there are often there are often invested interests in, for example, a company to have an extra unit that's doing something that maybe isn't useful anymore, to have a regulation because that's your job and that's how you justify who you are. Absolutely, there's a relentless this sort of relentless energy going towards complexity um, that that I think both as individuals and as business people we have to sort of step back and say no, we're not doing that. Do you think that there's a movement today that CEOs, that companies, that startups in particular are really fighting this tendency towards complexity? I think I think a lot of them are. I think that I think that is a I think there's a sense that there's just too much complication in people's lives. And so the degree to which we can make things crystal clear and simple. I think technology also has the problem that it's changing so fast um, that you need simplicity. So let's take I think Google had some nice rules around um, around hiring computer scientists. Key bottleneck for them. How do we hire good computer scientists? You have thousands of people across the company hiring computer scientists, and they went for at least for quite a long time on some simple rules around hire eccentric people, favor referrals, um, and uh, don't take anybody who's fudged on the resume. <laughs> and with a simple set of rules across a complex company, got at least some coordination going on across that company. Kathleen Eisenhart, her book is Simple Rules, How to Thrive in a Complex World. Kathleen, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thank you, Jeff. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.